Hey, Travis Rogers here. When you're not listening to me on the Lakers pre- and post-game shows, tune in to The Experience with Laferne Cusack, where she goes beyond the play and focuses on athletes, fans, and the biggest events that inspire and shape our community. Listen to The Experience with Laferne Cusack, Sundays, 5 to 6 a.m. ESPN LA 710. Welcome to The Experience here on ESPN LA 710. I'm Laferne Cusack. For more information, please check me out on Twitter at Laferne Cusack or uh, log on to ESPNLA.com and go to the radio page to download podcasts and more. They were talking boss uh, with <laughs> my friend Everett Glenn, president of ESP Education and Leadership Institute, and he has a fantastic award show, a Boss Awards a show that's happening January 26th. Mark your calendars. You must be there. They have a lot of great honorees, and we'll talk all about that. Welcome to the show, Everett. Thank you, LaFern. It's a pleasure to be here. You've been one of my favorite guests for all of these years, and I've seen your organization grow and grow and get so much support from the community. Now, I know that you're leveraging the power of sport to help student-athletes. Tell us a little bit more about ESP Education and Leadership Institute. Well, BOSS is our signature program, and as you indicated, what we're doing, we're taking kids who play sports with and we're showing them how to use those same skills that they developed in sport, apply them in school and at home and in the community so we can address what has been a lingering and persistent uh, problem, especially for boys of color in terms of academic achievement and life success uh, here in Southern California. Uh, in urban cities in Southern California, uh, nearly three-quarters of them will graduate high school, and they don't meet the requirements to even apply to a four-year college or university. And that should be criminal, uh, but um, we're doing something about that. And so we this is our fifth year. You've been with us from the beginning. We started out with just a few kids who believed in our mission and uh, at Challenges Boys and Girls Club in South Central. Yes. And we've grown to over 100 uh, boys who... Uh, are committed to success and are putting in the work beyond the work they put into their sport. Um, and, and the data that we've received from their school districts uh, point to an across-the-board outperform of kids who are in the program versus their non-boss peers. And so we're real, real excited that the program is STEM-based, um, a lot of math, a lot of science, a lot of technology, we, robotics. This year we introduced uh, argumentative writing and critical reading. Uh, and our goal is to increase the numbers of them starting. We start with middle school guys, right? So mm-hmm. our initial goal is to make sure that they're high school ready entering to ninth grade. And the increase in numbers of them who take algebra in eighth grade and who test advanced or proficient in language arts we just track the, the the goals that the school district has. Right. Um, but we're helping, uh, I think, this year of our high school boys, um, 95% of them are high school ready, entering ninth grade. And, and of our middle school boys, 96% of them are taking algebra uh, in the eighth grade, which is far more 
than what would happen otherwise. So, right. so we're really excited about the work, and, and and we're not just helping athletes, but we're helping athletes, and then we our athletes are going to get their friends who don't play sports. Mm-hmm. So we're just using the influence that athletes have right. over their friends to get their their buddies to understand it's it's all right and it's cool to do well in school. Exactly <laughs> right. And Everett, you we can find out more about the Boss Awards and take and get tickets on Eventbrite, and you can just uh, search for Eventbrite Boss Awards tickets, and it's there. And also on your website, E S P E L I dot org. E-S-P-E-L-I dot org. Now tell me about this event. It's a celebration of the power of sports to change lives and impact communities. Tell us That's about right. some of your honorees. Well, it's going to be hosted by uh, our own legend, uh, Jim Hill of HBS TV. I love Jim Hill. He's so great. So and uh, he'll be joined by co-chairs Daryl Miller, who's the um, entertainment and law partner at Fox Rothschild. And then Councilman Rex Richardson will also be one of our uh, co-chairs. And then we're recognizing seven individuals who whose uh, life and actions are aligned with the six pillars on which we have built boss. That is economically boss, mentally boss, physically boss, socially boss, emotionally boss, and spiritually boss. And so... Our honorees this year include Rich Paul, who is the founder of Clutch Sport, uh, the agent for LeBron James, and Ben Simmons, and Anthony Davis, and et cetera, et cetera. He's our Economically Boss Award winner. Uh, Naomi Rodriguez, vice president of uh, the L.A. Dodgers, is our Socially Boss Award winner. Uh, Marcellus Wiley, who went from Compton to Columbia to the NFL, and to ESPN and then to Fox Sports is our Physically Boss Award winner. What's Dr. up, Marcellus? <laughs> and Dr. Felton Williams, who's a giant in urban education and a member of the Long Beach School Board, is our uh, Mentally Boss Award winner. Uh, Emran Ahmed, who's the general manager at uh, our host hotel, the Marriott, is our Spiritually Boss Award winner. Uh, Arthur Hightower, who's the senior uh, Director of Player Engagement for the Los Angeles Chargers is our Emotionally Boss Award winner and, and the Port of Long Beach and their Executive Director, Mario Cadero, mm. our Corporate Good Assistant and Corporate Executive of the Year. So we, um, we like I said, we, we built the program on these pillars, and so we're recognizing pillars in the community who whose life, basically, and, and what they've done personally and professionally is aligned with what we're putting into these kids so that they can ultimately, one day, we'll be honoring our own kids who have grown up and and become great and done great things. Right. Now, Everett, you come from a long line of of sports. Tell us about your background going to Oberlin College and Case Western Reserve University Law School um, and your your uh, journey into sports. Well, I was uh, I did. I went to Oberlin College, Case Western Reserve Law School. I've been practicing law for 42 years. And at one point, I represented a host of uh, pro athletes, some of the greatest of our time, including uh, Hall of Famers, uh, Reggie White and Richard Dent and Jerry Rice, and and then all pros like Gil Bird, who's in the Chargers Hall of Fame, Willie Galt, who I 
tell everybody is the greatest athlete uh, that I've ever met. I mean, he's 10-time uh, uh, All-American at the University of Tennessee. He's in the College Football Hall of Fame. He's a world-class sprinter, hurdler, finished his NFL career with the third average yard per catch um, Gil Bird is now the defensive back coach, assistant head coach at uh, Illinois. Um, and then we basically, Clark Kellogg, who's the number one guy on CBS College Basketball now, I represented those guys, and, and we showed them how to take their 15 minutes of fame mm-hmm. uh, and turn it into a lifetime of good fortune. And we only met those guys when they were in college. Wow. And what was their what was their mindset in college and how did you shape it? Well, they were open first of all. That's good. They they, they understood uh that there was more to life than sports and so and that's why they gravitated to us because there are lots of guys who we talked to who didn't want to hear what we talked to because they wanted to just enjoy being a pro athlete and everything that goes with that. And and we weren't against that, but because we know the game could be over in a play. Mm-hmm. Uh, that um, and the best time to try to position yourself for your next career is while you're still playing, because then you have the name recognition and the brand and access that you need in order to do that. And so, uh, for example, Clark Kellogg. I mean, we we knew going into the NBA that his knees were not in good shape. And then he identified he wanted to be on television. He wanted to be a broadcaster. So we started from day one while he was practicing for the Pacers and becoming a runner-up for Rookie of the Year mm-hmm. with James Worthy. Uh, he was working on his life after basketball. Wow. So that, you know, if you fast forward, he only played five years before his knees gave out. But the day after his career ended, he went to work for the Pacers on the radio. And then he went to ESPN, and, and 30 years later, uh, he replaced Billy Packer as the number one guy on CBS College Basketball. He's on the board of trustees at Ohio State. Uh, he's married to the same woman that he met in college. They've raised three kids, all college graduates, and that's what the picture should look like mm-hmm. <laughs> for all of these guys. Right. But unfortunately, it doesn't. And so with Boss, we... We've, we've basically scaled down the strategies we applied to these programs a couple levels to meet them in middle school. So that even if, uh, you know, in middle school, you don't, you don't know who's going to be who in terms of athletic talent. Mm-hmm. Although we do have some kids who can hoop and, and who can play football and soccer and that kind of stuff, but you just don't know. But uh, what we're putting in them is, is the idea that all they do is win. Right. Win win no matter what in everything that they do and so we we're developing some guys who are going to be architects and engineers and lawyers and scientists and doctors and and we got a couple of them like a clark phillips who's all-american junior at la habra high has been offered by alabama nebraska and everybody else and you know he's you know he's got a chance to play on sundays and we got a ninth grader uh who's over at saint anthony's uh williams uh He's got Division One basketball talent, but regardless of if that ultimately develops, mm-hmm. they will go pro mm-hmm. in something, and and they understand what it means to go pro because they pay pros, they don't pay amateurs. Right. And so they'll be positioned. I mean, they're all you know three point five plus kind of students, and, and we're just excited about putting into them 
uh, as uh, Bishop Jakes would say, what Mama and them put into us. <laughs> right, exactly. And now I know we talked about uh, previously on uh, other episodes that a lot of the athletes do not have that money foundation behind them to to know that they are going to get paid a certain amount and how to maintain that money. Uh, how do you, how did you go about you know you being you know one of the first attorney agents to represent first round draft picks in both NBA and NFL? Uh, how did you go about molding them into the thought process of maintaining their their money foundation? Well, again, if it, 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 it they either. What I found to be the case when I was representing players is they either were concerned about their futures or they just wanted to enjoy life. And so it wasn't hard for us to convince the guys that we represented how to handle their money, how to handle their business, because that's what they were looking for. They were looking for somebody to help them understand how this stuff works so they could be involved. They weren't looking for people to just do stuff for right. them. So if you did have an unwilling client, what would you do with that? What would you do with them? Well, um, they probably wouldn't say, they wouldn't want us to represent them because <laughs> they would have to be willing to at least. But how could we, you can't, uh, you know, there's a saying, a man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still. Mm. Okay, so we tried that. We tried to uh, convince some guys, uh, and then we took them on as clients, but uh, it was they just didn't get it because they just get caught up in all of the hoopla and the bright lights. And, uh, of, uh, and so we did have a couple of them like that. I mean, there was a young man who played for the Cleveland Browns, and uh, I'm going to name his name, but I called him one day. And asked him how were things going. Had he met any people up there in Cleveland? Met him a nice girl over at the medical school or something, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he said he did meet a nice girl. He met her at um, Pizza Hut. And I said, Pizza Hut? Oh, were you guys waiting in line? Or were you sitting at the table next to her or something? And he said, no, she worked at Pizza Hut. <laughs> and I said, you you playing in the NFL, and you telling me you're dating a girl from Pizza Hut. Now, I don't have nothing against it. You know, people working at Pizza Hut. No, not at all. Okay, but I'm saying you're making a half a million dollars, and she's making $12 an hour. So what do you see happening down the road with that? Mm-hmm. Okay, I mean, she's clearly interested in your money and the position you have, but what is she bringing to the table? I mean, he said, well, she wants to be a doctor. Okay, so, but she, so is she in school someplace? What is she doing? And uh, so, so it just it doesn't work. I mean, because again, I mean, a man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still. So, unfortunately, although we did try and we had some success, but it's hard because we're not with them every day, twenty four seven. And again, we only met them when they were already grown men. Right. And so that's, that was part of the reason we decided to go back and start a program where we could reach them earlier, where we would, so, so by the time they got up to college, 
they would be open and, and they would also understand, you know, finances and, you know, mm-hmm. the difference between gross income and net income and, and that sort of thing. And, and the relationship between the earning power and, and the education that they attain and that sort of thing. And we take them through these kinds of things where we show them, okay, you know, if you, if you, if you, if you get a high school degree, education is just the kind of money you're going to make. If you have a, a junior college education, this is the kind of money you'll generally make. If you get a college education, if you got an advanced degree, and this is the kind of money you make. And we make them go through and figure out the taxes they got to pay on that income. Right. <laughs> so they could see that, you know, even in the, the, the higher brackets, that these guys who make, you know, millions of dollars per year, I mean, they, they're paying millions of dollars in taxes also. Right. There's, there's a, <laughs> there's so a person really, named FICA that takes a lot of that. Right? Uh, I mean, I've had guys, first thing they, when they first check they get, they what was FICA? You know? Right. <laughs> Uh, Who's so, Micah? So, Why is he taking my money? Exactly. So through boss, which we hope to take across the country into every NBA, NBA, uh, NFL, Major League City, that's how we're going to approach the problem of the unwilling guy yeah. is to meet him younger and try to change his mindset uh, before he develops these kinds of ideas and perceptions. Uh, there was a kid... Uh, from Notre Dame, who played for the Cleveland Browns, and he was a first-round draft pick, right? And and he was a quarterback, and and the guy who's a player development person for the Browns told me they have a meeting, uh, like an orientation they give them when they first show up. And this guy's response was, "Look, I mean, I just got here. Okay, I've been, I worked my whole life to get here, and you're talking to me. The first meeting we have is about." planning for my future when I'm no longer here. And I don't want to hear that. I just want to enjoy this because I've worked my whole life to get here. And unfortunately, that's the attitude a lot of them have. They've worked their whole life to get there. They want to. They want to enjoy it. I mean, they say, "Okay, I'm going to just spend my first check and uh, my first contract, and then I'll save my second contract as though a second contract is guaranteed. Uh, The second contract doesn't come. Uh, You know, they get involved with uh, women for the wrong reason, and so when the career ends, then the, there goes the relationship, the, you know, the family situation, and you know, but, you got to give half up, and so I mean, it, they don't go broke because they make bad investments. They make they, mostly they go broke because they make bad decisions about well, who they associate with and who they. But also, isn't it a, about reality too? If you're you're thinking that, oh well, I'm going to get another contract and this and that, when reality states that you know, n- not that is not you know the norm. Average uh, career is three and a half years in the NFL, about five years in NBA. But again, you can tell them that. But if if everybody in their whole life, the way they've been raised and what's important to them. Uh, are things and, you know, showing people, you know, who they are by what they have versus what's inside of them. It's just hard to, uh, it's hard to change that, especially if, if your relationship doesn't begin with them until they get to that position. Right. And so, uh, you know, we're doing the best we can. And when one way we also want to try to address it, even among current players is by getting current players involved with boss. And, and what we're doing now, uh, we've had enough success and we've got enough track record, we got enough support, and we've got enough data that shows the impact that we have. We want to try to now present BOSS to current pro athletes as an alternative to them starting their own foundations, which mm-hmm. has mostly been 
uh, a bad experience. Yes. So, yeah. Because they start foundations and it fails. And, and well, because they don't they don't have programming. They just do like a weekend camp or uh, one day camp or Thanksgiving giveaway or Christmas giveaway and. Uh, and, and foundations and organizations don't fund events. Mm-hmm. They fund programs. And so, again, what we want to position ourselves, and we're actually working with a member, uh, uh, we're actually with some folk locally because there's some guys on the Rams and the Chargers who have local connections mm. uh, to Southern California. We're hoping to parlay our relationship with their teams and with their cities and with the politicians from their cities so we can take boss from Long Beach State and the College of Business, where we are now, yes. uh, to the Marshall School of Business at USC, and in between to Dominguez Hills at Carson, before we take it every place else. That's great. And again, if you want more information, go to ESPELI.org, Education and Leadership Institute. So, Everett, so going into the various worlds of the sports industry, so we have, you know, as an athlete going in as a broadcaster, maybe a sports broadcaster, you have marketing of sports. You were also a certified contract advisor for the NFL and NBA. What is it about being a certified contract advisor? Can you let us know Things that we may not know happens in contract negotiations for, you know, guys that may have gone out in the first round draft pick for the well, NBA. The, the, the first thing that the, the players need to know and, and certified is okay. So the union, the NFL Players Association, and the NBA Players Association. Uh, and the Major League Baseball Player Association, although NBA, Major League Baseball, I don't think they have a certification process like they have in the NBA and, and the NFL. And I only represented one uh, Major League Baseball player, and that was years ago when they didn't even have certification in the NFL. Mm. Um, but <clears throat> the interesting thing about certification is that uh, the unions require that the player and the agent sign a contract that the union has developed because the union is you know, their purpose is to protect the interests of their members, the players, right? So they have this standard contract, the agent and the player have to sign, and in paragraph two of that standard contract, <laughs> uh, the the agent is representing to the player that he's certified by the union. But then there's a disclaimer by the union in that same paragraph that says the certification of the player of the agent as a contract advisor is not a representation or warranty of the player agent's competence, his integrity, his honesty, or his skill. I'm going to say that once again because I know you don't. You probably missed that. But if I'm certified by the NFL Players Association, the contract that I'm signing with the agent tells me that while the union has certified him, they're not saying anything about his competence, <laughs> his integrity, mm. his honesty, or his skill. Mm. So if I'm a player today, I don't even want to be represented by somebody who's certified <laughs> by the NFL, PA, 
or the, I mean, but that's how the system works. You have to, you have to, you got to hire one of these guys because it's a union, and the union has the right to set these rules, and so they require that their players sign with these people, and. <clears throat> Most guys, again, just because of how they've been raised and what they've been exposed to, they don't understand even how to do due diligence to find out who these people really are right. and what their background and what their experience is and how that could help them leverage their athletic accomplishments into a life and success beyond sport. And um, so that means it's interesting that, um, and so as a result, I mean, you get guys who, um, you know, I just looked at an agent for a kid who's coming out of school because I still get calls from people, even though I'm retired, who want me to help them. And, right. and I just help them try to figure out how the process works. But, uh, you know, he was telling me about this firm, and I just pulled the firm up. And, and, and the first thing came to me was that the, the guy said he had attended law school. Uh oh. <laughs> okay. he, he didn't say he graduated. Uh oh. And, and he didn't also say he was a member of a bar association. But again, <laughs> if you're talking about a kid from, you know, South Central or the, the East Side of Long Beach or wherever, and they've never had to deal with attorneys or whatever, they don't know that that designation or just those words mean you need to look deeper, right? Yes. And so that's another service that we're trying to actually provide kids as they come in through the process. We're not trying to represent them, but mm-hmm. we're trying to help them understand how to make a good, sound decision, how to find out who these people are that they're aligning themselves with and who they're trusting with their futures and with their money. And because um, it's scary. I mean, you know, yes, very this, much uh, so. caveat emptor prevails. You know, the Latin phrase means the buyer beware. Yes. And so these guys, they don't feel like they have to tell you the truth. Uh, it's up to you to find out the truth. Exactly. Yeah. You always have to take accountability for yourself to find out about who is going to be, you know, taking care of your career, managing your career, your money, your life. Like it's your responsibility as even a human being, not even as an athlete, as a human being. Absolutely. Yes. I mean, and so how do we, how do we, uh, you know, get people to do stuff for us as, you know, as grownups. Uh, the first thing we do is we probably talk to a friend that we trust. And if they, if, if they have a similar problem or a similar issue and who they went to. But even after you get that referral from a friend, you still need to check out because right. your situation Maybe is different. likely to be different because there's no two situations exactly the same. Mm-hmm. So, because he could have represented, you know, Willie Galt, and Willie Galt was a first-round draft pick coming out of the University of Tennessee, ten-time All-American. So he had, and you know, an Olympian and everything else. So it, was, it wasn't hard to represent Willie Galt. <laughs> okay, but if I'm, you know, Joe Blow, and I'm gonna be a free agent, then he can't tell me and show me what he did for Willie Galt as though he can do that for me. Right. I mean, I said in on another interview last year for a kid who is a member of the San Francisco 49ers, and the people who sit there, they lied to him right in front of him. And, they, and, they, and I'm sitting there, and they know me, and oh, they know no. my background, and they know my purpose is here just to assist this guy and make sure he gets the information he needs upon which to make a good decision, and they lied to him anyway. Oh, no. With me sitting in the room. I mean, you know, tell me they represent guys that they don't represent. I mean, they gave him a promotional piece. But they could do for him, but it was a 12-page piece, and nine of the pages was about another kid in the NFL. And they're showing him what they did for that person as though they could do the same thing for him. But that person 
was a, a top 10 pick and, and the Pro Bowl player now. Wow. And this kid is going to be a fifth-round draft pick. So, I mean, you can't do for me what you did for him. Exactly. And so it's just it's, it's crazy. So, so there's a lot of angles. Uh, and so what, what we're trying to do is get some pro guys here locally involved so that they could see what we're pouring into these kids. And uh, just like uh, what was it, the, the kid plays for the, uh, the Reds, he plays for Tampa Bay now, but Deshaun Jackson. Uh, who uh, comes out of Long Beach Poly, and he, you know, he said he wished there was a program like Boss when he was coming up, mm-hmm. and he could still use and benefit from the things that we're sharing with these kids, because uh, you know it's like universal kind of stuff. It's not just for kids, but you know how to uh, how to go from uh, being unconsciously incompetent in something, right? Which means you don't even know. That you don't know, <laughs> right? Okay. But to, it, but to, to how being unconsciously competent, where you don't even have to think about it, you've mastered it, and you can do it. But how do you know what to ask if you don't know what you don't know? How do well, you go so we, about? We, first of all, our kids understand that that's a process, right? Mm-hmm. You, just like if you tie, when you first learn how to tie your shoes, the first thing you you didn't even know you didn't know how to tie your shoes, right? Mm-hmm. You're unconsciously incompetent, and then and then you try to tie them. Right at one point, you try to tie your shoe, and and so you became consciously incompetent because you knew that you when you tried and you couldn't do it. Now you know you don't know how to do it, right? <laughs> <laughs> and then you figured out how to take the bowl and then go get the other bowl and bring the loop around, and so you became consciously competent that you had you could do it, but you had to think about it. Yes. And and then you kept doing it, kept tying your shoes. And at one point, now you just, you know, yes. <laughs> and your shoes are tied because you kept practicing and you kept working on it. And now you don't have to think about doing it. The same path to learning applies in everything that you learn. At one point, you didn't know that you don't know. Uh, and, and But you have to put in the work to move from not knowing that you don't know to where you know and you don't have to think about it. And yes. these are the kinds of principles we're putting in these kids which are the same principles that, you know, uh, career coaches and yes. and, and then putting in grown-ups, right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Because we're taking them to Stephen Covey, good to great, and uh, rich man, poor man. And uh, and so they, they're understanding. They understand it only takes three things to be successful, figuring out what you want to be successful at, determining the price and the cost you have to pay, and committing to pay the price. We we got kids. We we took we took a group of kids to an event in Los Angeles that was put on by HealthNet and and the NFL Hall of Fame. And and they had um, Aeneas Williams, who's a Hall of Famer, and um, who was it? Daryl Green and and Anthony Munoz, right? And and they called. They wanted a volunteer for one of the kids to come up and talk about what they had learned from that day. And and so we volunteered one of our kids, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> to go up and talk. And and uh, Makai Williams, he said to the group, and it's like about 500 kids in there. And he's up on the stage with, with Munoz and Daryl Green and, and Nias Williams. And he said, well, I didn't learn this today, uh, but I did learn it uh, through the program boss. They all had their boss shirts on and everything. And that is, again, all I got to do to be successful, I've decided what I want to be successful at. I'm in the process of determining the price and the cost I got to pay, and I'm committed to pay that price. And and they looked at it. Mm. <laughs> they were blown away. 
the grown-ups looked at him like, who told you this? <laughs> <laughs> and so, so it's really exciting to see them uh, grasp these concepts. And they don't grasp them initially. It takes time. And, you know, and again, these are, uh, you know, 12, 13, 11-year-old kids. But they're being exposed to it, and that's half the battle. Yeah. And when you expose them to it, um, they get excited because this is new information. Right. And, so, and they know they're not getting it. I mean, we, we have kids say, Mr. Graham, why don't they teach us this in school? <laughs> right. So so the first step is to decide what, to decide what you want to be mm-hmm. successful in and then determine the price that you have to pay. So, for example, if a kid wants to go to the NFL or the NBA, if that's his goal, then the price he's got to pay is he's got to keep his nose clean, right? He can't have uh, he can't have a criminal record. Okay, he can't put his hands on women. He can't you know do all it. You got to make sure his social media and all his stuff is clean because they're looking at all that kind of stuff. He's got to get grades good enough to go to college because you can't go straight to the pros mm-hmm. from high school like you could at one point, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and so there's and so what do you and what do you what do you got to do to get grades good enough to go to college? I mean you got to you got to cut out some of the video games and all that kind of stuff. And you got to, you know, you got to be high school ready entering the ninth grade. Right. <laughs> in the ninth exactly. grade is when you have to register with the clearinghouse. You, you know, you got to, you can't take money from people who say they, you know, believe in your future. You can't violate none of the rules. I mean, there's a price you got to pay. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, and then you have to, and then you just commit to pay that price. And that'll just be based on your actions. So those three things, you'd be successful in anything. Yes. And for, for a grown-up, I mean, right now, if I, if I wanted to be a lawyer. So for me to become a lawyer, the price I had to pay was, again, I had to, had to get into college. I mean, I had to have high school grades good enough to get in college. And then I had to have college grades good enough to get into a law school. And I had to learn enough along the way so I could take the LSAT and score, you know, high enough on that that somebody would give me an opportunity at one of these law schools. And then I had to take a three-day test, the bar, which means I had to study all summer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think this, that's the price you got to pay. So, so I didn't have a car, okay? I didn't have a girlfriend. You know, I was coming up because I was focused on what I needed to do. That's the price we had to pay. So we're helping them figure out what the price is because they don't even know the price. Right, right. Uh, this is ESPN LA 710. I'm Laferne Cusack speaking with president of ESP Education and Leadership Institute, Everett Glenn. We're talking about the Boss Awards, which is taking place January 26 at uh, the Long Beach Marriott. And they're celebration, celebrating the power of sport to change lives and impact communities. And uh, our our favorite our favorite guy, sports anchor Jim Hill, will be uh, host. host of yes. the event. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, can you give us the rundown for that, Everett, and tell us who we're uh, honoring? Saturday, January twenty sixth. Uh, uh, networking and cocktails and that sort of thing will start at six o'clock. The program will start right at seven o'clock, <clears throat> and uh, there'll be just a whole host of folk there. Uh, I know that Dennis Franklin, for example, who's the first black quarterback in Michigan history, uh, he sits right next to me in church every Sunday. Dennis will be there. We got Dale uh, Carter, who's the president of Avanta Capital Management. He owns a boatload of property around Southern California. He's a former basketball player at the University of Michigan. So we, the room will be filled with 
men and women, many of them who also are both. That is, mm-hmm. they participate in sport at one point in their life, and then they've used those lessons to position themselves to achieve success uh, in life beyond sports. It'll be at the Long Beach Airport Marriott. That's 4,700 Airport Plaza Drive in Long Beach. And now the day before, uh, Friday the 25th, we'll have a showcase of our BOSS program uh, for 200 kids who are not in the program. And that'll take place at... Uh, Long Beach State at the point at Walter Pyramid, and uh, the keynote for that will be Dr. Lloyd Walton, uh, who was an All-American basketball player at Marquette, uh, played five years with the Milwaukee Bucks, and is one of three uh, former NBA players in history to earn a doctorate degree. Oh, fantastic. And he'll deliver the keynote, and we got Michael Douglas, uh, I mean Michael Cooper coming in from Miami. Uh, He's got an amazing program around mental performance, you know, Mm -hmm. because as it is written in scripture, as a man thinks, that's how he does, right? And so we got to change how they think. Mm -hmm. And so we got a guy who makes a living doing that, flying in from Miami. He's going to spend some time with him. And uh, and then Marcellus Wiley will stop by and sign copies of his book. Oh, great. Uh, Don't shut up or never shut up. (laughs) (laughs) And... uh, and we'll do a round-robin kind of a speed-dating kind of thing in the morning where we have people from AEG and uh, Dick Sporting Goods and the Rams and the Chargers and the Lakers, you know, people who work in different capacities in sport and around sport uh, to share with them, you know, their strategies uh, for leveraging their participation in sport so they could have success uh, beyond sport. So that's, that's a four-day event. That is. Uh, and we got five schools coming in. Uh, we're busing five schools here, middle schools here in Long Beach. Oh, great. Uh, so about a couple hundred kids, and we expose them to this program. Now, how do you choose the schools that get to participate? Well, right now, because we're in Long Beach, we're working with Long Beach Unified. We, we hope to move the program this summer to Los Angeles and USC and or Carson and Cal State Dominguez. Mm-hmm. And... We just, I mean, you would think that they would be lined up yes. <laughs> for this program because it's free and we're bringing people like me. I mean, I'm 66 years old and I've had 42 years. I've had a life beyond what I could have hoped or dreamed for. Mm-hmm. And I come from nothing. Mm-hmm. And so we can, you know, so we're committed to showing these kids how we did it. And we come from, my dad was alcoholic, and, you know, my mom didn't have a high school education. So, there's, there's, you know, we, we teach the kids, you know, you can make excuses or you can make money and progress. And you mm-hmm. can't make excuses and progress and money at the same time. Right. So you get to say what you want to do. <clears throat> but and, and for, one of the reasons we actually moved to Long Beach <laughs> mm-hmm. is that we didn't get any uh, response from LAUSD. Oh, wow. And, and, and the kids we got were mostly kids who were at Challengers Boys and Girls Club. And mm-hmm. once we, uh, you've been with us from the beginning when yeah. we had just a couple of knuckleheads. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, but we couldn't get any love. And now wow. LAUSD is asking us to bring the program back to Los Angeles, in which we would like to do. But mm-hmm. uh, uh, we're invested in Long Beach. And we have kids actually in Long Beach who not, don't just live in Long Beach. We've got kids from Carson and Compton and Inglewood. And, right. And we've got about 20 kids from Orange County uh, as a result of a sponsorship that we have from the Orange County Youth Sports Foundation. So, you know, we, we welcome kids from any place. 
Uh, but just with the travel and, you know, right. logistics and getting to Long Beach State, we start our year-round, multi-year process with a two-week camp. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so they got to be able to get to Long Beach State, you know, by 8 o'clock in the morning and then be picked up at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And that's hard. That's why we want to go back to L.A. Uh, and or Carson this summer so we can service kids. Uh, because our kids, they pay travel ball and that kind of stuff. So they have friends who who know about the program but can't, you know, get back and forth to Long Beach where we operate year-round. Right. So we're going to expand it to meet the need. And we don't care where the kids come from. We don't care what their grades are. The only, only requirement is that you play sport. Mm-hmm. And then we'll fix everything else. So, Ever, I, I just want to touch on, you know, the mentality of uh, of uh boss like so you have students uh, like for for instance yourself excuse me for yourself you know you you come from a challenging uh, a challenge background and you didn't let that deter you to becoming the success that you are Um, do you find that a lot of students now still carry the victim mentality or do you see it changing along the way I think they, they carried on because, uh, again, I refer, there's a video that I would recommend that you and any of your listeners, you can Google it. Uh, it's T.D. Jakes, and, and it's two and a half minutes, and it's why our kids don't know God, right? Mm-hmm. Now, you could, separate, you could substitute anything you want to for God. You could substitute why they don't know math, why they don't know science, why they don't know how to treat girls, why they don't know how to respect their parents but they don't respect their property mm-hmm. in the neighborhood. You need to listen to this, but uh, they have that mentality. But the problem is that so so few of us who have made it through the maze are willing to invest in the kids. And so they don't, uh, I mean, because that's what happened to me. I had people who stood in the gap. My dad was an alcoholic. He wasn't around, but... Mr. Jones and, and Mr. Parker and Mr. Perkins mm-hmm. and Miss Wade and Miss Spann, they stood in the gap. And so, and, and there are people today who stand in the gap for these kids, but it's harder for them to find who those people are. Mm-hmm. And that's really all they need. They just need to find somebody who believes in them, who's committed to their success, who's going to stick around and be around, not just for a day or two. Uh, but be there over the long haul. Mm-hmm. But but it's still, I mean, actually it's worse now in terms of this victim mentality because when I was coming up, we didn't have computers. Oh, right. I couldn't see what they were doing in Los Angeles <laughs> for Cleveland. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I couldn't see what they are doing in foreign countries on my phone. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't see the, all the rappers and the glitz and the glamour. I couldn't see that mm-hmm. in, in my house, right? Right. I couldn't see. We only had three channels, ABC, CBS, (laughs) (laughs) NBC. So I couldn't see it on cable. And now they just see all of this stuff. And um, and what they don't see enough of is people who have made it through, who come back and are committed to them. Yes. And because those people are too busy trying to keep what they get. But I learned uh, through a program that the only way you keep what you get is you got to give it away. Mm. Yeah. And so and we got a lot of folk on our team who feel the same way and the people who volunteer 
Uh, we got great volunteers, you know, men who, again, have navigated that high school to college to professional ranks successfully, mm-hmm. uh, playing sports. And, um, and uh, so it's, I just give all credit and praise to God because he's just using me and the people I'm connected with to, uh, to do uh, for our children uh, what mom and them did for us because that's the only way it's going to happen. We've been too busy making money mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, we leave, leaving them home and letting them be raised by computers. And, right. And then we wonder why, why they turn out the way they do. Mm-hmm. Exactly. They think that they're crazy. But these are our children. Yeah. And they didn't get the way they are overnight. <laughs> and they didn't get the way they are by themselves. Yeah. Yeah. So, Everett, I know that you're uh, uh, an accomplished negotiator as well. How do you incorporate that into the learning of the athletes and students that you help? Well, I mean, we, the, the, this is one of the many different subjects that we, the, that we uh, teach on. I mean, we teach decision science and how to... Uh, the powers and dangers of social media, but in terms of negotiation, I mean, one of the principles that uh, that everything is a negotiation. Okay, that's what the overall principle that we give them. Everything is a negotiation, even like with your mom or dad about you know want to pair these sneakers or, mm-hmm. or with, if you got a little girlfriend. Everything is a negotiation. What you got to do is you got to eliminate the emotion from it and just deal with the facts. <laughs> okay, and how do you do that? How do you teach well, them to do that? There's <laughs> <laughs> a process, and you go from not knowing you don't know <laughs> to mastering it yeah. over time by just exposure to people who know and by repetition and practice. Yes. Uh, but we put them in situations, and that's how they move from unconscious incompetence. Uh, like we just took... Uh, a group of them to uh, the National Association of Minority Contractors uh, Gala, uh, you know, where they had you know professionals, you know, architects, engineers, designers, and all kind of folk from Turner and construction. I mean, Turner and Clark Construction and Keywood Engineering, and you know, so they had all these prof- and these guys are two they're ninth graders, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and we just put them out there and we 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 walk them around and we introduce them to people and then we leave them. And so now they got to learn how to talk to strangers who are grown-ups and uh, about more than sports. Mm-hmm. They got to be able to articulate what it is they're doing and who they are. Uh, it's just it's just fun to really uh, to see because our kids are uh, they're smarter than we give them credit for. They nice. they have uh, desires and goals beyond what we give them credit for. They just need help. Yes. And and too many people who. I mean, you know, I mean, I've had people tell me, man, you should be retired and, you know, drinking my ties in Hawaii. <laughs> why, why do you do this? And I said again, because somebody did it for me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Reach back. Right. So, Everett, let's talk. I know we talked about some of the the six pillars for business of success beyond sports of boss. Uh, we talked about econom- economically boss. Uh, mentally boss, uh, physically boss. Let's talk about that. Uh, socially boss. And socially. And, psycho- and, and then uh, mentally, physically, socially, emotionally. Mm-hmm. Um, 
what is it? Mentally, physically, socially, emotionally, economically, spiritually, and spiritually. Right. Yes. Right. Those are the six pillars. But again, I mean, it's a, and, and this is a process. Okay, so our program or what we do is not a program. Which and and we ask these kids a lot of questions. That's how we know they're smarter than grown ups give them credit for. Mm-hmm. Because even in explaining to them that our program, what what they think is a program, it, what we're talking about is a process. So we ask them, what's the difference between a program and a process? And they have to tell us what they think the difference is. And we we don't tell them stuff. I mean, we just did a series on uh, 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 STEM, right? And mm-hmm. And so we started up with just centrifugal force and velocity and momentum. <clears throat> and then we started out the the session with asking a question, anybody been on a roller coaster, right? <laughs> <laughs> and then everybody raised their hand. Okay, now, and who can tell us how a roller coaster works? And they look at each other, and, uh, and then one guy raised his hand and said, well, you know, it starts and you go up. And it's okay, well, why does it go up first? Why don't it go down first? We just keep asking them questions, and they mm-hmm. tell us, and they'll figure it out. And when it goes up, and then what does it do after it gets up to its peak? What does it do? It goes down. Okay, but does it go straight down? No. Okay, well, why doesn't it go straight down? Mm. <laughs> and and before you know it, they understand momentum and velocity and centrifugal force. Right. And then we have them build roller coasters with um, the little spaghetti kind of stuff that you use when you're in a swimming pool. Yes, right. I remember okay. you talking and about that. And a marble that. and some black tape. And I'm telling you, I can send you the video. Yeah. In an hour, we put them in groups. And every group of them built a roller coaster with loops and turns and twists that worked. That is, they kept the marble in the little groove. Yeah. Because, because the marble come out the groove, that means all the people died. Yes. <laughs> so in an hour... They all did it. That's great. Uh, but you got to put them. So we you just, just got to. Uh, they just got to be exposed, and you got to keep exposing them, and you have to believe in them, and they have to understand because that a lot of the teachers. I mean, we've met all the teachers, and many of the teachers don't have the faith and confidence in the kids that they should have if they chose that profession. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I know it's tough because you know they. And they you know, they got kids who want to be there, kids who don't want to be there, kids who want to learn, kids who don't really want to learn. But they all really do want to learn. Yes. But you just got to figure out what's stopping him from learning, what's going on in his home, what's going on with his parents and his family life. What, you know, is, is he, did he eat this morning before he came to school? Right. <clears throat> Where is he living at? And and again, that's not necessarily the school's job, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, but in partnership with the community and with parents, I mean, we just gotta. Uh, yeah, it still takes a village. It, I think so as well. I remember uh, my son; he was going to school, and we got this pamphlet from the school uh, that had a story in it about a kid that was having problems. And parents would come to the principal and say, you know, this kid is horrible. This kid is this. This kid is that. But in reality, we don't we didn't know what was happening at the the, the child's home. Like yeah. he didn't have breakfast. Yeah. You know, he he had to take care of his mom when he got home or, you know, he had to sleep in the garage um, and was cold. So that's why he came to school and would fall asleep, yes. you know. So there are a lot of other reasons or a lot of factors that go into 
a child that we may not know about. And instead of judging them, let's help them. That's not because, again, I can't imagine. I mean, although there are some people, I guess I don't know what the percentage is. I have not a clue, but I would think that most people want to be successful at something. Most people want to, you know, I mean, just uh, who is it? Uh, the Sigmund Freud, the psychologist. I mean, food, clothing, and shelter. I mean, most people want to do what you know to have a, a clean and neat place to live, and mm-hmm. you know, food and clothing. And <laughs> I mean, no, most people don't want to to fail. They don't exactly wake up in the morning and say, say "I'm gonna fail, fail today." <laughs> what I need to do to fail, <laughs> right? <laughs> <clears throat> Um, and they just get caught up in this in this this hustle bustle world that's on information overload and uh, and that's why we one of our things is even decision science and so how do they make decisions I mean and who do you rely upon to make decisions and what evidence that's part of this learning process too right. what evidence do you have that you should be listening to this person that you're listening to exactly <clears throat> what and- have they done. And and most people that are giving you advice or telling you what to do are trying to make their them their own selves feel comfortable with who you are, and it has well, nothing to do with you. Well, we we say it uh, this way: we, we teach best what we need to learn ourselves. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so so you get people telling you what to do, and they don't even do it themselves. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. And so so you need to listen to somebody who's actually doing what they're telling you to do. And if they've done it, then they've got some results, and they've got some evidence mm-hmm. that this works. But, uh, yeah, there's a lot of people teaching what they need to learn themselves. <laughs> yes. <laughs> or... Or people that it, are criticizing you is because they see it in themselves because you can't see something in others that you don't see within yourself. Yeah, yeah. But again, so all of these kids, uh, I think 100% of our, I mean, just children generally, I mean, they're just, when they're born, I mean, they're inquisitive, they want to learn, they're exploring. Mm-hmm. And then, then, you know, over time, we kill that in them because they're telling them, no, 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 don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, don't do that. And I mean, so it starts young, which is why we start the program. And we have, we got like maybe two, three, fourth graders. We got a couple fifth graders. We got sixth graders, seventh graders, eighth graders. And uh, and then the other half of them are mostly ninth graders, the high school kids. We got a couple of 10th and 11th. But uh, we rebooted everything once we moved to Long Beach mm-hmm. and started over again with kids who were in middle school. Yeah. And, and uh, so it just, it's time... It's just time and, and patience and all of these things that really make you a better person, too. Right. I mean, because I didn't used to have patience. And I was, you know, and I used to think that uh, uh, just just all it takes, all you have to do. That's what we used to tell people. All you have to do, because that's all I had to do. Well, where where did you learn patience from? Just from working with these kids. Okay. <laughs> yeah, just working with these kids and understanding that, you know, I didn't. And really just being honest with yourself and that you didn't get, I didn't get none of this stuff overnight either. Yes. <laughs> this is a result of 66 years on this planet. What What was your biggest learning experience, you know, uh, growing up and, you know, becoming a lawyer and working with all these sports stars? Uh, my biggest uh, learning experience. Wow, that's a tough question. <laughs> Nobody's, <clears throat> uh, that I couldn't do. Uh, things on my own that I needed help. Mm. 
because for a long time I thought I was making everything happen. Oh, right. And uh, even though I was getting help, I never looked at it like, you know, they were actually helping me because I was putting in the work. So I thought I was doing all the work. Oh, yeah. Um, so uh, just to know, I mean, you know, that, I mean, Jesus, he, he says, I'm of myself and nothing. So he needs 12 disciples. And, mm-hmm. and so nobody can really make this thing happen called life on their own. Yeah. And make it the best it can be. Mm-hmm. And and so that's one of the big lessons I learned is I had to, and then how to express my feelings. Because mm-hmm. I, I was just always be all right. You know, how you doing? I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm all right. Mm-hmm. I never, and I could be dying. Yes. <laughs> but I'm all right. So to be honest with me and my feelings and, and, and accept the fact that I need help to succeed, to, be, to achieve anything, I need help. Right. And so really what we're doing for these kids is the same thing, the same process that I went through, the same process that most folk go through if they live long enough mm-hmm. and if they uh, can be honest, you know, exactly uh, with themselves. Right. And that's the key. If you're not honest with yourself, well, you, you can't be honest with anyone hey, else. Man, it's it's going to ultimately <laughs> it's gonna come out it is. In one way or another. In a big and, way on social on uh, social media. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And so uh, asking for help and, and, and being patient with other people. Yeah. Uh, two of the biggest lessons I've learned. Well, uh, well, at. As an athlete, as a student athlete, I'm sure they're going to come into contact with a lot of people that do not have that patience or are expecting more of them. Uh, how do you go about or or do you go about how do you communicate with those challenging people in life? Well, uh, or how um, do you do it? Well, again, you you have to look for the evidence. Okay, so so you can't ask somebody to help you and expect somebody to help you if they haven't helped anybody else, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And 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 then the reverse would be true if 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 you if you meet somebody who is willing to help you and is taking steps to help you, those are the people you need to be connected to. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so it's really not rocket science. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, I, I used to speak of it in many terms in terms of like relationships, male-female relationships, where, you know, young ladies would complain, and I hope I'm not getting in the deep water, <laughs> but they complain how gas are, but they see how the gas are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they still, you know, they, they say, well, and I did, that's not really him. You know, what I saw, that's not really him. Right. <laughs> and, and what he did over here, that's not really him. But he did these things, and he said these things, and you just ignore them. Exactly. So, so if you... And so, again, what we teach these boys is how to identify people who are willing to help you. And you, and you identify them by what they're already doing. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't be the first person that they're trying to help. Right. right. You shouldn't be the first person that they're exposing to something. Or, and, again, it, the proof is, will be there if you if you just spend some time trying to. And then now, with all this technology, you can find out. You can just put somebody's name in the computer, <laughs> <laughs> and all kind of stuff come up. I know. Yeah. Oh my and, goodness! Uh, Please do not Google me. <laughs> just joking. Yeah, so it's uh, it's it's a process. So none of this stuff happens overnight. It don't happen in a vacuum. And and our boys are all at different levels uh, of. 
progress mm-hmm. through the process. And and what we've just committed to them is we're going to stay with you through the process. Yeah. And then and more is going to be revealed to you the longer you stay uh, connected. And uh, and what we're telling you now, you're going to say, wow, one day, the, you know, it's going to click that, that mm-hmm. okay, that's true. Because <laughs> you exactly. have, or just even in terms of if you, if you, if you spend three hours a day on sport, but an hour on homework, <clears throat> and if you just spend the same amount of time on homework you spend on your game, then you're going to get a different result. And so we, they do that. And then they get a, we just had one kid. He just, he was had, he was failing in history and now he's getting to be in history. That's great. And so now we can use that to show him. Now, all you did was really, you, you, you thanking us, but you did the work. Right. <laughs> okay. And, and what you did there, if you just do that in science, you do that in math, you're going to get the same result. Right. So you just got to do it. And, 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 you know, I mean, we, we teach them all this stuff, man, about, I think it's like 21 days. Or you do something 21 days or something to become a habit. Yeah, right. <laughs> yes. So it don't take long to do it. Just do it for a few days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just get, if we can get you to do it for 21 days, then you're not going to even think about it the 22nd day. Exactly. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's a challenge. It's rewarding. Uh, and it's a long-term process. And that's what we come into these guys. And we got a group of folk who were down with us. Uh, to pour into these youngsters. And, and I really appreciate the opportunity to share with your listeners because you've seen it from the beginning. Yeah. Like we just had a couple kids and, and, and now we're at the College of Business and we're in smart classrooms and we're building robots yes. and we're doing all of this stuff and, and changing these boys, their outlook on what's possible for them. Well, I'm very happy that you're able to come on and, and share again the boss Awards again by ESP Education and Leadership Institute. Everett, give us the rundown for January 26, how we can take part and help our student athletes change their lives and impact communities. And, and their non athlete peers. You can join us uh, Saturday the 26th. Uh, tickets are available on Eventbrite. Just uh, Google. Uh, Boss Awards. Uh, we'll get started right at six o'clock in the evening on Saturday, the twenty-sixth, from the Long Beach Airport Marriott at forty-seven hundred Airport Plaza Way, Airport Plaza Drive. I'm sorry. And all the information is available at the website www.espsandpaulli. Org. And again, some of the honorees, I know Marcellus uh, Wiley is going to be there, Naomi Rodriguez. Uh, Rich Paul, uh, Arthur Hightower, Mario Cordero, uh, Emran Ahmed, and uh, our own Jim Hill, and Daryl Miller, and Rex Richardson, the council person from uh, the 9th District here in Long Beach, will cause events. So it'll be... Uh, the kind of event that you want to be seen at the scene. Absolutely. Well, and hopefully Laferne Kusek will show up. I would love that. Thank <laughs> As our you. guest. Oh, I would love that. Thank you so much. Um, well, I look forward to seeing you. And again, please log on for more information. E-S-P-E-L-I dot org. Mr. Everett Glenn, president of ESP Education and Leadership Institute. Always a pleasure. It's a pleasure, man. I appreciate you. All right. I appreciate you. All right. Uh, I'm Laferne Cusack here for ESPN LA 710.